Motorsport Stories. Well, Alan Grice, an interesting part of your career that probably doesn't get talked about too much is you are the first Australian driver ever to qualify for the World 600 at Charlotte, one of the three Blue Ribbon NASCAR races. Hmm. What was it like to go over there and, uh, and whilst Dick did it on a road course in California, you actually went to the focal point of NASCAR racing uh. well before Marcus Ambrose was even thinking about racing a car. Yeah, that's true. And um, I didn't really understand the importance of it at the time. I was just, I knew the Charlotte World 600 was a big race. It's like seeing, you know, being an American, you know Bathurst is a big race, but you don't know the implications until you're really there. How did that deal come together? Well, Bob Jane was building his Thunderdome. John Shepard had built some cars for him. Uh, He was able to get some sponsorship from Fosters because they were selling Fosters in the United States. Uh, he put the package together and um, off we went with, uh, with two cars to try and qualify. Two hot laps from memory to get yourself into the show. The thing is you don't realise who's there, who goes home. They start 36, but it's not, it's around that. There would be at least 75 huge transporters in the paddock when they start, and they start more than a week before, and then they start eliminating them, and the slowest ones keep going home and going home, and there are names and big sponsors that go home and don't get a start. It's the equivalent of 200 cars turning up to qualify for Bathurst, and you just weed them out as the day goes by, and they don't mess around if you're not quick enough, you just put it in the truck. I do recall that the American press went just berserk, you know, the quickest non-American driver to do this and the first Australian to do it, and it just went on and on and on and I was like 32nd on the bloody grid, albeit one second off pole, but I mean that's how close and competitive it is. So what was the race like then? It was an anticlimax really because we had troubles with the car. We started on seven cylinders, which is not a, a nice way to start. And it was only at the first stop that they rectified that, then we became competitive, but they by then would have been a lap down at least. And I think we finished up doing a diff, but I certainly showed we could be competitive at that time when, when they had eight cylinders. <laughs> what do you take from that NASCAR experience? It's highly competitive. It's the most competitive form of motorsport in the world, and I've had a crack at most of them. You know, it's certainly more competitive than Le Mans because, uh, you know, whoever's spending the money, whether it be Audi or Porsche or Ferrari, they're the quickest, so it's not really competitive. Similar goes with most categories in the world except NASCAR. And in NASCAR, you've got to have enough money to do it properly, but then if you triple that money, you really don't... You don't pick much time up. You know, you you have the best people by then. You have very limited number of things that you can do. I mean, it's a very free formula in lots of ways, but within parameters. And it's a real black art. It's so competitive. You know, I've said many times that a, a road race car that's um, 95% right, you know, it's in its setup and its tyres and mechanicals for the, for the conditions, uh, with a, a driver can make up the difference to a 100% package. If a NASCAR is 98%, you think the bastard wants to kill you. It's, it's horrible. 
it wants to throw throw you at that outside wall and you know you're entering corners at 160 mile an hour and averaging more than that for a lap with this thing that's trying to throw you in the outside wall and that's that's not friendly these cars are designed for ovals they sure. do do a couple of road races and in yeah, australia different, different cars they have a car for lr races they call them left road road circuits and those cars won't work on ovals and vice versa the brake package and those things whilst they're a slight bit bigger they're certainly not what you were used no. to in touring cars and no. uh, barry graham always said to me they're restricted retarders not brakes yeah, yeah. yeah so how then when you're racing at calder on the road track i think you might have had a couple of runs there no, the only places on road circuits that I drove was Virginia International Raceway at Adelaide, uh, Gold Coast Indy, and that's it, I think. You didn't run Bathurst? That came later. Oh. Bob Jane was well out of it by then. Mm-hmm. What were those road races like then? Oh, they were okay in that um, you knew you had no brakes, sort of going back to the early touring cars. You could kill the brakes if you drove it like a sprint car or a sprint race. We ran water sprays, you know, as you, the application of the brake pedal would squirt water into the vents down the centre of the rotor, which that gave you quite a bit of help. But you just had to be sensible, look after them. Mm. Of all the Australians who went over there, Alan Grice was the one that the media, the fans, mm. took to the most. And they likened it to your attitude of win it or bin it. Yeah. Europeans... There's a winner, mm. and then there's the people who do the fastest lap. Mm. If the car doesn't last, that's not the driver's fault. Mm. Is, that a, is that a philosophy you adopted? It was there, but I took it over there with me. I, I certainly had that, that attitude from my motor racing here, and it, I still think it's the right way to go racing. What about your competitors? Did that rub them the wrong way? You'd have to ask them. But wouldn't when they you have told you? <laughs> Yeah, but when you're competing, that's what they are, they're competitors. And, you know, if they want you to part your hair differently, um, they can go and do something else. A big thanks goes to Alan Grice and Craig Ravel from Inside Supercars for telling us a story. Motorsport Stories is brought to you by Big Hair Studios and a big thanks goes to Andrew Clark and Bruce Williams at Auto Action Magazine for their huge support. But more importantly, fans, until we catch up again at Motorsport Stories, keep on digging. You build a car strong enough for Gricey, he'll win the race. Is that something that you always... I'll tell you it was. It was Les Moore. First time we went to uh, Europe and we were quick and Walkinshaw and his factory rovers was just that second quickness at Monza. And I came back and he said, what can we do? And I said, I know where they get their second from. They just crash across the ripples at the chicanes. And he said, well, go out and crash it across the chicanes and I'll fix it. So I did, and I went picked up that second, I think we were second on the grid or something, and Monza first time out. And that was his attitude, is that, you know, you drive as hard as you can to win and, and he'll build something that'll live. And if it won't live this time, well, he'll fix it for next time. And that was the European attitude anyway, and we were vin- only vindicated. You know, we had that attitude here, and that's, they certainly have that attitude in Europe. The driver would walk back and say, you'll find the car turned through. It wasn't quite quick enough to get through their flat, you know. 
so the attitude was right, and it always is right. You know, motor racing has got the world racing it. It's not a bloody reliability trial. And that's where a particular manager hurt my career because he thought it was clever to, um, you know, just drive around in eighth place and somebody goes home and gets a flat and another one has to go home because his mother called and to finish up inheriting the lead and winning the race, and that's bullshit.